Patriot power. You're in the dog zone for an hour. Come on. You know the number. So 9000, the official podcast of 1900hotdog.com. We are the last comedy website. Support us on Patreon or don't and avenge internet jokes after we're gone. I'm the World Web's first Sean and best baby, Sean Baby. And I'm joined by Maximum Bobby, Robert Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. I once dropkicked a man so hard, I never saw him again. No follow-up <sighs> questions. I don't think I need one. Uh, <laughs> our guest today is a writer for The New Yorker. A columnist for the 1900 Hot Dog and author of Everything Abridged. Buy it now, we're Avenge Books. He is too much Denard. Denardale! Hey, it's me. I represent, you know, concerned parents everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything I'd like to plug? Um, yeah, I'll just plug the uh, book again. I think Everything Abridged uh, by me is good. It's true. It's a great book. It's very dense with wit and wisdom. And it's his birthday! It's his birthday. Not w- not when you're listening to this. Don't go wish him a happy birthday. <laughs> well, you know what? Do wish him a happy birthday. No, I'll take the belated yeah. ones. Yeah. It'll be a few weeks off. Yeah, it'll, be, it'll yeah. be a nice Wednesday gift to me in like October, running up on Halloween. Well, happy birthday. Uh, I got you a gift. It's, uh, it's a gif, so I'm just going to have to explain it to you because I'm delivering it in the wrong medium. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it's Jackie Chan, and he turns to the camera and looks oh. at you as if to say like, not quite, but you're getting there. And then he gives a little bit of a thumbs up. All right, I'll take Jackie Chan's muted approval. That's like yeah. the right level of paternal love from Jackie Chan. Yeah, you're 31, right? That's what you yeah. get at 31. That's the yeah, best. I'm not getting can... any of those 14 year old hugs or 28 year old bailouts from Chinese prison, you know? <laughs> yeah, no. no you're, but you're getting there. You're making a little bit of progress, and he thinks that's okay. That is yeah. a good present, though, when he gets you out of Chinese prison. That's what I got for my 17th, 22nd, <laughs> 25th, and 34th birthdays. At some point, wow, he's going to renounce my... you and send you right back. But, but you get one. I only got that for my 12th. Good job. Thanks. Well, I got a, a big crew, a big support staff uh, behind me. Uh, I appreciate them. Uh, they're very concerned parents. Today, we're talking about uh, music, specifically the music of pro wrestling, uh, but not how you're thinking. Specifically, the direct <laughs> consumer VHS cassette pile driver, the wrestling album two songs performed or inspired by the WWF's hottest or, stars, or inspired by is something that <laughs> yes. skated right by me until I yeah. watched this. <laughs> Dude, I went in expecting maybe like just new music videos to entrance thieves, and yeah. I was blown away by what yes. I got instead. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Uh, this was 1987, so uh, this was like a totally different era. Uh, let's go through everyone in 1987. Who was your favorite face and your favorite heel the year this came out? Uh, Denard, start with you. All right, so Not this born? is <laughs> me looking four years before I was born, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. <laughs> yep. That- so, so your mother, then. Your mother's favorite face and heel. In <laughs> oh, yeah, that being said, um, by diffusion, um, I have older brothers who would put me in a sharpshooter if I did not just represent the the Heart Foundation the, for both roles. Heart. Yeah, yeah. 
And he was uh, partners with Jim the Anvil Nightheart at this time. They were the Heart Foundation. They were the Heart uh, Foundation. Is this when they were with or split from Jimmy Hart, which is a very confusing thing? I, I mean, they would have been no more than a couple months split from him. They were with him most of the time around this era. So yeah, right, no, so that, no Heart Foundation in this video, but a fucking ton of Jimmy Mouth of the South Heart. And, um, you know, what? I'm going to put them in the uh, face column contracting most of their run because... After the demolition video in this, I have to make them my favorite heels. I can't look <laughs> away from that. It's so good. It just that thing made me smile so much. So you'd you'd call yourself a tag team specialist, I guess. You picked tag teams for both of your both your picks. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm a tag team specialist. You know, it has that special flavor where, you know, Vince cares a little less, so they're a little freer. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I like they're, they, they're they two men with the supervision of one man. Exactly. I really liked uh, Strike Force because that was sort of Tito Santana and Rick Martel, who basically had no gimmick at the time. They were just like, I don't fucking know. Tito Santana, sometimes you say Ariba, so I guess you're sort of like a Latino dude, and Rick Martel is just fucking average guy in panties. But then they make see, Strike Force. And see the jackets for a sec. It thinks like a Miami Vice thing, but it's not, not really. Yeah, he was a model for a little while, and he carried around like a little. Uh, like bug spray thing of perfume. It was really fucking weird. <laughs> okay. like, like an aerosol pump. Uh, anyway, like, uh, so th- when they were solo, they didn't have great gimmicks, but together as Strike Force, uh, they were so special because Tito Santana would just get completely fucked up. It didn't matter by whom. Like, they'd be just in Tacoma and some random guy from the crowd would beat the shit out of him. And Tito Santana would make the hot tag and then Rick Martel would be on fire. And I was like, okay, this is the magic right here. When Rick Martel comes in, it just. Busts up two random Tacoma jobbers. But, yeah, that's um, that's the formula. You have you have one guy that suffers and one guy that avenges. That's like the, yep. the best way to do it. Brockway, uh, same question to you. Oh, I never remember eras and who was was which, but uh, in general, Macho Man Randy Savage, of course, mm-hmm. it was all the way. Of course. <laughs> Ride or die with the Macho Man and his. You know, I, it was I can pinpoint the moment. He had on this glorious fringe jacket thing and uh, he took it off and then the fringe stayed because it was actually on like his bracers. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, that's amazing. And then he did his, you know, flying elbow drop. And I just remember like my memory has it in slow motion. It is all the majesty of a child's memory of just this like fringe floating against like the lights. I swear to God, it sparkled somehow of just him dropping slow motion. <laughs> fringe trailing like a comet and i was like this is this is my guy this is my guy forever. <laughs> that's, that's good i think there's a nice thing in the arc of aging where around when you lose santa you get randy savage <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. yeah that was for, for that era like i feel bad for the kids of today who are denied a, a noble replacement figure for santa claus yeah, yeah, that's like why you got to keep circulating the tapes. You need to like fill that void in, in youth. Like, yep. who do they? What do they get now? Like, fucking a YouTuber or something? It's tragic. And oh man, you get PewDiePie instead of Santa. That's that's rough. I could yeah, see that's why. worse. <laughs> Maybe I would turn to extremism. Yeah, you get extremism light. Uh, I, I, th- I think probably heel. I never dug too many of the heels. I guess Jake the Snake Roberts. For yeah, he was great. Yeah, he oh, yeah. never he felt like a heel. a heel to me, though. Like, he was... Yeah, I'm, 
I'm, you might get thrown a technicality with just Macho Man because he was a heel for a little while. Right. Like, that's what I mean by I can never keep track of errors when who was who was face, right. who was heel. But Jake the Snake Roberts was always like, even when he wasn't supposed to be full heel, you were like, yeah, but don't trust him. Just, <laughs> he, he's he's wet. He's got a snake. Like, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of red flags. It was such it's good. Fucked up that his shorts. finishing move was to put you to sleep and then just put a snake on you. <laughs> yeah. it's just it's just even when really he's not fully me. supposed to be a bad guy, you're like, ah, I don't trust him. That thing where if you're like a great enough heel, people just slowly gravitate towards loving you. There is yep. something like that is wrong in human history that is really captured in that. Yeah, I think Undertaker invented that. They were like, this guy's a zombie, you're going to hate him. And they're like, no, this guy rules. We love <laughs> this undead monster. As long as you kick enough ass. It's, you're it's just... like, yeah, give us... Exactly. Like, give us a zombie Frankenstein. We need, we need more Wyatt Earp. Yep. And then there's uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course, that did the same thing. And I would say ruined a generation of children. Like, I think that's a real dark, dark era of, of all human society. <laughs> Uh, I'm an American, so in 1987, my favorites were Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. But if I'm not allowed to pick the super obvious ones, I'm going to say Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Ravishing Rick Rude. Because I think an evil playgirl hunk is like the perfect heel. It's crazy there aren't like five of them at any given time. Uh, he would come in in his robe and he'd be like all, all coy, like, oh, I'm not going to take my robe off yet. Then he'd be like, all right, I want all of you fat out of shape. Huntsville sweat hogs to keep the noise down. Let your ladies see what a real man looks like. And then he'd pull out like fucking 14 pack. Just that is weak. And down every single one right in front of him. <laughs> yeah, he, would, kinda... he feuded with Jake the Snake Roberts and he actually put Jake the Snake Roberts wife on his his tights. He airbrushed her face on his dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm coming it's around. The ultimate. I'm the changing ultimate. my choice. <laughs> Man, COVID is really helping your wrestler voice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we we scheduled. I'm glad you caught also, COVID for this podcast. I'm glad you're also surviving it so far, as far as I can tell. You know, I, I'm actually testing negative. Uh, my daughter popped positive, but um, and I'm just like riddled with symptoms. Like I, I have every possible COVID symptom there is. I can still taste, but everything else. Does it feel um, like the test is gaslighting you when that happens? Yeah. It's like, come on, test. I'm fucking like the kid I spend all day with is got COVID and I'm like oozing snot on my ears. And yeah. you're like, okay. Not it's a no. Party okay. Party. Okay, COVID test. <laughs> Denard, if you were a wrestler, uh, what would your gimmick be? That is a... This has to be something you've thought about before. I have... Hold on. Hold on. It's through... his birthday. So I'm going to give him one second to think. <laughs> that's, a, that's the birthday promise that is the birthday promise uh mine would be jet ski i don't know how that works but Ooh, i would i would come really in good. somehow on a jet ski uh i would i would talk a lot about jet skis and you're goddamn right i would just fucking power drift and peel out on my jet ski after i won the match and that's all the time <laughs> you get to think happy birthday tonight. <laughs> You know what? I think I would just try to apply what I know and just try to go for a sort of a psycho fanboy kind of thing. I think that there's oh, un, an untapped potential there. Like for anime? Yeah, just 
like that's just for like my given opponent of the week. Like, do you remember they had that whole thing? I think Mickey James had like a really politically uncomfortable like sort of psycho lesbian gimmick for a while. You'd be, oh, you'd yeah, be like swim right. fan. You'd be, <laughs> I will, I, I'm gonna be the swim. Yeah. I'm gonna be like the swim stalker fan. wrestler, like just digging up footage <laughs> from such like. A good idea. <laughs> like I've been watching your indie matches from like 2004, man, and I know you inside. Out. Just make it's... them really uncomfortable right from the start. <laughs> yeah, like I want, I want my promos like just cut from television half the time. I don't want him to touch me, brother. Can I just go? Yeah, and um, after I get enough complaints, I would probably switch to maybe like a maybe some kind of like stand up Max Caster ripoff. I think that could also be fun. Huh. Those are very interesting choices. Uh, I actually yeah, yeah, was yeah, a pro wrestler for a little man. while, and I was Captain Party. I was a super powered frat boy. <laughs> uh, I had a waterproof jumpsuit. For maximum waterproofness, uh, I had a belt that dispensed uh, PBRs. I was supposed to be the bad guy, but uh, generally people liked it because I was I was throwing <laughs> beer off people my belt into the parties. Crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad. Well, uh, this was like in the two thousands. I thought people would really hate like a frat boy, and so I was like a. Uh, but no, no, it was a. It, I was ended up being the face. Um, I was. Yeah, I did right. a show uh, at, at the Ash Street Saloon in Portland. Uh, our mm-hmm. first show was there. And, uh, Hell yeah, I've been kicked buddy... out of there. <laughs> Great place to get kicked out of. Uh, my buddy Anthony did the pro wrestling uh, training with me, and he was probably like 130 pounds. So just I could do fucking anything to him. So we were just, we were like powerhouse moves all through that bar. Uh, he kicked me in the back of the head, and I did a front bump off the stage onto the cement floor, which is probably, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I over rotated <laughs> and landed my tailbone, and that might be why my shit's still wrong all these years later. Yeah, but, probably. Um, I mean, like, you know, better you tail and face. Yeah, you got to try it out. Uh, it was, it was for me, but uh, I, you know, I pursued a different career. That sounds like a wonderful time. I think that what must have been miscalibrated was I think people like frats and abstract and dislike the side effects and consequences of frats. Right. <laughs> yeah, fraternities themselves are a lot of fun. You go there, and it's just a bunch of people that uh, went to college like you know, under the pretense of learning, but really just want to drink every night. And you're like, okay, I can, I can get on board with this. I can relate to that. And then you open the newspaper two weeks later and it's like, oh, that's what happened in the, uh, in the attic that time. Okay. Yeah. Just don't, just keep them to one story. It's no basements, (laughs) no attics, uh, no walls, maybe, maybe just like an open space. Like, if they're only frat apartments, it would work out? Like an arena. Just every frat should just take place in an, in an open arena that you can tag in and out of as needed. Maybe just a just big van. <laughs> I think you guys just designed, like, two reality TV shows that should happen. <laughs> I think we just invented wrestling, is what that yeah, was. Yeah, I think we invented wrestling. But yeah, uh, let's yeah. talk about this Piledriver video. Okay, um, okay. I, I love this thing so much. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about this for years. Uh, it was, it, it's so weird. Like, like we say, it's, some of the videos are inspired by wrestlers inspired and not like about by. them. And uh, <laughs> it's introduced by some guy named George Stevens, who's the producer of it. And, okay, is uh, he anybody in wrestling? Is he an announcer? Is he? Wh- I've never I seen him to, before in my life. What the, I need to talk about this guy because he kind of makes me feel a little insane. <laughs> It makes me yes. feel completely insane. Like that is not an actual human being. That's like somebody misprogrammed a Disney animatronic. It's his delivery is, he this is guy insane. Who... His voice is his fucking hair is insane. 
He never he's, really makes me. eye contact with the camera. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's probably reading cue cards, but like no broadcast skills. Uh, and yeah. he comes on to explain something that like does not need explaining. This is wrestling videos, wrestling music videos. Like that's weird enough already. Like coming in and with like just some behind the scenes guy reading us the table of contents. Like you don't fucking make it less weird by adding a second unprecedented thing. Like that's fucking strange. It's, it's weird because, like, it's, an, it's such an intuitive, easy concept. Like, okay, some pro wrestlers and musicals, like you said. And then he comes in to add this whole layer of saying, I am the real fake producer yes. of these real fake music videos. But in our universe, these music videos are fake. Right. But we had <laughs> real production issues making I them. I don't like how much he talked about, like, the way they made him feel before and after. Like, it, it was just... <laughs> It was weirdly, like, almost too sensitive into it, too. He's like, I did not feel safe filming the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I mean, yeah, it's a wrestling, but of course you wouldn't feel safe. But, like, you don't need to tell me that in between the introductions. Or, like, this made me feel very tense during this video. I just... Yeah, it's a good point that it adds this other element of fiction that we don't yeah. have a handle on. Like, we get that we're supposed to pretend these guys are really, like, whatever, gladiators that fight each other. But now they they're not being paid for this video or they I, I don't know why this has a crypt keeper. <laughs> he's, he's very much crypt keeper with flesh, like a flesh covered yeah. crypt keeper. Exactly. <laughs> not no as pun. cool. Not as cool, of course. Like he <laughs> wouldn't hide the crypt keeper. Yeah, he would not party with the crypt keeper. <laughs> so he throws by- to the construction foreman who's uh, not a wrestler. He was just, mm-hmm. I think, according to this guy, was was the real construction foreman where they filmed a bunch of wrestlers as construction workers. Yeah, why wasn't this a wrestling skit? You had so many chances for wrestling skits. This should have been a wrestling skit. Instead, they, I, I thought it was going to be a wrestler pretending to be the foreman. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. And then it was just a foreman, like, complaining about, well, complaining about how all, everybody who works for him is a huge pussy, I guess. Yeah, they're not <laughs> as tough as the wrestlers. These fucking wrestlers, I tell you what, they come in, they're so huge. My guys, they was real scared. I tell you, if I had a crew of real wrestlers, don't tell my boys this. But if I had a crew of wrestlers, oh boy, oh boy, we could really build stuff. I remember the best quote. Actually, that was probably the best quote. The second best quote was, (laughs) when those boys hit the site, my guys hit the skids. (laughs) It describes it like this van of party orcs hit his construction site and... (laughs) Every second of it makes me smile. Like honestly, all of the sort of discomfort of the announcer kind of melts away as I walk into this construction nonsense world that this first video is in. I do yeah. agree that setting it up like a bunch of wrestlers showed up and then all of the real construction workers were like, they're gonna pretend to be construction workers. This place is tumbling down around their ears. Like this building's going <laughs> by. I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And um, uh, Coco, beware! Um, I was aware of this song, like its existence, but this video kind of made him my hero. Yeah, he's Coco. Beware was kind of a weird guy because I never really got him. Like, yeah, what was his? What he, was his gimmick? I, I it was like he'd have he'd come on TV about every fifteen Saturday mornings and like plow through some random jobber, but it was like, God, I don't even know. Like in the eighties. The, the WWF stars would fight totally random guys, like I mentioned earlier. It's just like, hi, I'm Jung Hansen. 
theme unknown. I'm here to fight Coco Beware. And he was just getting fucking plowed. And uh, and I guess Coco Beware was like a parrot. I don't I don't quite get it. He called himself the Birdman, but he didn't fly that often. His finisher was a brain buster. Uh, and he never really feuded with the other wrestlers. So or when he did a promo. Goggles. Was, yeah, he had ski goggles and he had a funny jacket and he had a bird with him. And, I have um, a, a head cannon for him. What? And it's just me entertaining myself, not in accusation so much. But I see him with that bird, and I kind of like to imagine they just had a really sort of inappropriate idea of who this guy was going to be. And then someone said, no, you've got to scale that back. Like, keep the bird or whatever. We're not doing this African pirate thing. Right. They just, this was right before they had the great Kamala, if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. I love that he you was... were like, they must have rethought this offensive idea in 1980s <laughs> wrestling and scaled it. No, they didn't. <laughs> I no. I yeah, the idea you had, <laughs> it wasn't to scale it back, it was to give it to a different guy. Because the great Kamala was like just every Haitian and African stereotype in one like giant wizard. He ate a live chicken yeah. on the on air once. Uh, <laughs> like a full life. a magical place. Yeah. We gotta scale and, this back. Let's let's just have him eat the live chicken. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but not the cockatoo. Let's save the cockatoo for Coco. I think he. Let's just kind of make him like a parrot man. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. It's like it seems like they. I agree that it seems like they don't want to commit to an idea, or that it's like they had half of an idea and then ran out of time. Like just he's yeah. got to go on yeah. now, though. So uh, <laughs> just go with the bird. The bird is all we had. You're a guy with a bird. And. He's the main visual. I need, because I am an impressionable moron, I have to ask a question about Coco Beware specifically. Because I have a, a handle mm-hmm. on the other ones, like who's faking and who had some vocal or whatever role. Does he have any human input into like this song's existence? God, I would I would imagine they they went through the their cast and said, who can sing this? And they had Jimmy Routh the South Heart and nobody else. And they're like... <laughs> Coco, you're black. You must have had like church choir or something. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's whoa. racist. But but uh, no, and I can't sing. They're like, you're perfect. Like, Congratulations, no. lead single. Okay. <laughs> yes. But you're the bird guy. Like singing is kind of the bird thing. Like, we never even settled on what that gimmick yeah. was. You can't. Maybe that makes sense. <laughs> is there like sheet music that exists for what he's saying in this? Because I feel like they just almost said, feel it out, man. What's in your yeah. heart? Yeah. It's <laughs> just. Can you even pronounce the word argument, Coco? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Argument. Well, it's fine. Get out out there and sing, pal. (laughs) So I I guess for the listeners at home, I should establish that this song has, there have been a lot of expressions for, you know, love hurts as a lyrical concept. Yeah. And I don't know how it took us till 1987 to coin, it hurts like a pile driver. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do have a clip of this song here. Let's let's let everyone hear this. Sometimes love this is Coco singing. It's like a slow dance. You can tiptoe around, but don't make a sound. You can make a little solid dance. But sometimes love sounds like a fight. Uh-oh. It sounds like an argument. It's What a hero. What yeah, a hero. Uh, nobody took a second pass on that. And is, is this, are we sure 
that uh that love sounds like you were using wrestling moves on your woman. Uh, are we sure? <laughs> yeah, That's it is a domestic violence song, right? Like this is not about like an argument. This is how like love sometimes is normal sex, and sometimes you're beating the hell out of your wife because you're a a drugged up wrestler. That's yeah, what the song's about, driver. right? It's a really one-sided move to use for a love metaphor. <laughs> like only one person <laughs> yeah. is getting slammed in a pile driver. <laughs> Not to take this to too dark a place, but when the neighbors become a problem and I go over to check that everybody's all right, I'm pretty sure the first thing the guy says is sometimes love sounds like a fight. And uh <laughs> and that's when you call the police. Yeah. Sometimes love sounds like a band move, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, police, you got to get over here. Yeah, uh, he's, he said sometimes love uh, feels like a fight. He's got a bird. He's kind of like a parrot man. I don't know. You got to hurry. You got to get here fast. Listen, listen, um, officer, this guy, I can, I can only describe him and all his friends as one walking steroid. <laughs> yes, just a big massive steroid. I'm making a strong case for how their love sounds like a fight. And I, I The only yeah. way that this is okay, and I think there may, might be a way that this is okay that we can joke about it, is if... It's two wrestlers in love with each other. Okay. So I don't think it was ever truly specified. This is, you know, a small human woman who, who sure. will not physically withstand a pile driver. But all this is, is like 20 wrestlers on a construction site just having a good time. So I, mentally, I'm going to substitute it with they're talking about being in love with each other. And uh, you, and this is what wrestling you know, love feels like. Now you have like a, a sunshinier world, and I guess if you kick out at two, you know, you work things out. Is that is that the metaphor here? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's like postponing uh, orgasm to make your lover have a better time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kicking out is now. Call it edging now. Yeah. Please, PWG. Oh, he edged edging. out of that one. <laughs> there we go. I like um, when Coco hits the high notes, which he absolutely cannot. They would cut to footage of him like hitting the bird buster on some guy, which is like, I sort of took it as the WWF version of auto-tune. Like, it's like, okay, ignore how he can't hit the note. Look at him fuck this guy up. But now I'm thinking maybe that was like an extended visual metaphor of the love he feels for that guy he's bird bustering. Yeah, I don't like know. that's that's cutting that away to the sex scene. It's like, imagine if this was any other 80s pop song and like fucking Brian Adams is out there on the beach and then it cuts away to Brian Adams at the most romantic point in the song, holding hands with a woman in the sky or something. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's, it's Coco beware. Uh, yes, it's that. Given the, given the bird buster brain. Buster. Imagine, imagine Brian buster. Adams lifting a guy up for the bird buster, <laughs> bringing him down on the back of that neck with so much romance and right. love. I know Hear it sounds out. like a fight. It sounds a little bit like an argument. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was so dense with skits, which Give is all match. I want. All I want out of a wrestling anything is I just want I just want it heavy with skits and uh, God there were so many antics it, it like when Hulk Hogan just... turns and uh, sprays the foreman <laughs> yes. with cement. Yeah. Oh yeah, they, they they even set that up one up with them saying, "Oh yeah, he held up a cement gun that takes two guys all by the Hulkster's self." You're like, "Yes, he's 300 fucking pounds of steroids. We figure he can carry a two man." It takes two men just to work that awful, awful thing, and he <laughs> blasted that poor old man with it. He just drowned that old man in quick drying cement. As each testicle just shrank a little bit more every minute. It's and they never found that guy again. It He's is still just, the foundation of, of that strip mall they built. Keeps this video in the charm zone. <clears throat> is that um, there's a, a route they could have gone because like 
it's very much in that music video thing where it's like, oh, look, they, you know, they're hooting and hollering at the ladies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I kind of like in this video that they are all like ineffe- still ineffectual construction workers in right. this universe. Like the girls pay them no attention. And that's kind of in its own twisted cartoon way, unironically funny. <laughs> I agree. I like, um, there was one where the, the women were walking by and at first they're kind of sexy. Like they have like, you know, short shorts and they start coming by in like eighties business suits with like big shoulder pads. Like, uh, like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Sexy. They're still sexy, but like not in the, in the way you'd think you'd make a woman sexy for a construction worker music video. And Hulk Hogan sees one of them and like violently eats a sandwich. At violently, her. He's like, I, I, cannot, I cannot destroy this woman in public. So I will destroy this sandwich. And you will understand that the sandwich is the woman. And, and yeah. And it's, it's, I guess it's just kind of work. Cause like, there's supposed to be like these Uber mensch in these universe. And here they're all like horny 12 year olds who can't talk right. to a girl. And that's there's, it's perfect. There's another yeah. layer to this in that, every wrestling skit falls apart completely. If you think about it, like they, they're just, they're just executing like basic trope ideas, but they're, they don't have comedy instincts or any oversight whatsoever or the time to do like a second draft. So the the whole like cat calling women trope skit thing that they're doing, we're like, Oh, we're going to go cat call women. That works because construction workers are like up on a building out in the city here they're still on their one rented closed construction site. So they're in the middle of like a drainage pipe in like a dusty lot and business yep. women are walking by and they're like, oh, yeah. they're walking through the construction site itself. Yeah, what like, journey is 1980s Google Maps sending them through? Like, <laughs> I'm just going to hop the fence and walk through this construction site. Oh, no. Cat calls. <laughs> oh, paralegal. So I'm going to jump in this drainage ditch and follow it to the quarry. <laughs> Just fucking take a shortcut to work through there. But it never occurred to them that like we we rented the lot, so it all takes place on the lot. But we got to have a cat calling scene, and nobody was like, "Oh, that doesn't really make sense." Like, get the fuck out of here. We got thirty seconds. <laughs> Listen, we do not have time for rewrites, reshoots, re anything. There is no re in this video. You want to see how it's done, son? Hulk, eat that sandwich like you're horny. Go, and we got it. One take. Why well, you're why you're the best, Terry. I'm uh, very happy that this DVD opens with this particular song. First off, the Coco Beware just not singing thing kind of sets my expectations like, okay, I'm not yeah. looking for like Van Halen 2 here. We're going to skip with Kitsch Jill. I like that he smashes things whenever there's an emotional climax in the song. Like he has a, <laughs> a sledgehammer and he'll just like break a piece of wood. All those construction yeah. workers were right to flee. <laughs> he just every time there's an emotional moment he turns around and knocks part of a building out okay I've, I've, I've a, been on a I've been on a construction site destroyed by wrestlers before but but not again you won't get me again there's a really weird part at the end where the foreman goes into the porta potty with a dirty magazine I guess he's just gonna fucking rub one out during the work day and then they come and they forklift him up and they cut to an interview of him like oh boy I knew the boys had control of the forklift, so it was a uh, it was rough, and and so like what the fuck is this? That wasn't the, yeah, create, they like, cut away before the punchline, and then they that one had him deliver the punchline. They had him reflect on the punchline in a yeah. post punchline interview. This is a fucking but obviously Cosman Medicom shit. Like, why would anyone put a person in that like behind the door of a thing? It's just like boy, boy, there weren't no dang point to it. But I was sitting in that closed porta potty with no safety equipment while they filmed that dangerous stunt. That's a fucking thing you should believe, viewers. Like it's crazy. It felt like it was missing the setup too, because he's not doing anything like 
that feels different to the like the sort of catcalling going on so far. Like he's probably even a better person for maybe keeping his cranking to himself. <laughs> Hulk's out there just cranking that sandwich. We know what that sandwich yeah. means, Hulk. That is indecent. <laughs> Exactly, but he's getting like this sort of comeuppance gag, and I'm and I'm just sort of tilting my head, thinking, did a transition get cut here, or am I just high, or right? There was like three parts of a joke out of order and missing the fourth. It was it was a <laughs> exactly. crazy way to end that. Luckily, we had fucking George Stevens to go. Everyone had fun making this video, except for Honky Tonk Man. But we'll get to that in a minute. Just he adds so many questions that did not need to be added to this and also in this whole honky tonk man bit i don't know if i'm breaking our flow by talking about this but it just is sticking in my head he does the most painful explanation of the joke i have seen of anything in a while yeah it's fucking frustrating i do like have he's a, there. a clip of his interview sure here I'll, I'll play this they driving around trying to find it then when i got there i got my pink cadillac all dusty and them pretty girls, all of them, trying to get a piece of the honky-tonk man's jumpsuit. They even went so far as to steal my best scarf. But that's okay, I shouldn't complain. Because, see, the honky-tonk man's got women like that everywhere. They all want to see the honky-tonk man undressed. And when they do, you ought to watch them scream. You ought to see them faint. And I want you to watch this video, the best one ever made. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fucking good. Like, just... Cut, can we start from the top, Honky Tonk Man? You are fucking out of your mind. Um, <laughs> I love that the... I suddenly understand how he was the longest intercontinental champion ever. Just All the ladies want to see him get undressed, that's how. I love that his, but... his entire character, his entire bit is doing an Elvis impression, so they found a guy that can't do an Elvis impression. <laughs> like, that's the it's only brilliant. thing that you're supposed to do. Is you Maybe you sing, you dance. Oh, no, I can't sing or dance. Can you do an Elvis voice? I can't do an Elvis voice. Well, He's... you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> He's like Jerry the King Lawler's like cousin or I think cousin. Probably. Yeah. And I can only imagine the game of rock, paper, scissors over. Okay, so we've got these two wrestling gimmicks. One is a, a king and one is pretending to be elvis for the rest of your life <laughs> and then they both fought over elvis <laughs> oh man well uh what i looked path. up who wrote these songs uh and the pile driver song was written like most of the songs in this album by a guy named james a johnston and his credits yep. include only wwf songs <laughs> because uh even the songs he wrote that weren't specifically about wrestling are here on this wrestling album it's like he's pleading with a listener to see that he's more than this. He can do non-wrestling music. But it turns out he never did and probably can't. It turns out he proved that he can't and then he sold that proof to everybody. <laughs> can I just double check, double fact check to make sure I'm not going to go off on a idiot tangent? This is the same Jim Johnson that did like all the Attitude Era like DX theme, like Stone yes. Cold theme, right? Yeah. Okay, so seeing his face was this weird out-of-body moment for me, because they, otherwise they keep this guy completely backstage. Well, yeah, and, yeah. I guess it, I guess this would hurt his feelings, but he just looks like a dork. I mean, he just sort of looks like a dork. <laughs> <laughs> looks like the kind of dork that yeah. writes uh, wrestling music. I don't know. I guess I always pictured uh, like someone like a giant wrestler writing the wrestling music. I don't know why. I just <laughs> Macho think... man back there just writing it down real quick. <laughs> 
right now. Leaping Lanny Pothos back there. You know, I just, I thought it was, you know, Brutus the Barber Beefcake secretly had a, you know, music production degree or something. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, they kind of build their universe, their pocket reality in a way that makes you think that way. And I don't know, Jim Johnson is kind of an, this whole video and him, it's kind of interesting for me to think about because there's this marketing thing, this idea that they sort of lean in and out of every decade or so where they tilt the windmill of what if all the media that our fans consumed was only wrestling. Like, like when yes. they had the, the last round of the network, they tried to make it so they had like their own version of punk and mad TV mm-hmm. and all that shit. And right. I see, th- I guess this whole video is them thinking, can we make our own MTV? <laughs> all wrestler MTV. I mean, Cindy Lauper kind of worked it. And Lou kind Albano of, yeah. for two videos. <laughs> that's, that's enough to to try to start your that own network. Counts. Sure. They made their own Twisted Metal. I don't know if you ever played WWE Crush Hour. But it's no, good. they made Twisted Metal? Yeah, they made a WWE Twisted Metal. It's always fascinating to me the random things they think like this but wrestling it's never it's never connected to wrestling at all it's always fucking it's always fucking mario kart or something but even that would have made more sense i don't know you would love crush hour the the line stitching is really bad so it's like jim ross recording things and then they splice it together with lag between all the lines so it'll be like rakishi has picked up the twisted rockets and the whole game is like that just laugh out loud funny the whole time you play and it's not even the wrestling moves. They fire rockets at each other. I don't yeah, need the no, wrestling they're, they're to fire. Essential. It has to be like, if, if your car could execute a flying elbow drop, that's something. Like, that's I'll, something. I'll, I'll do that. Like, if it's just a bunch of wrestlers on segways and they have to use wrestling moves on each other, okay. Th- that game. That'd be uh, great. Or even if it was just like a foot race and they're all just... <laughs> wait, is that just a match gimmick? <laughs> it might I, just be I a match gimmick. Way. Like, yeah. Fighting hurdles. It's so- it's solitaire, but you have Ted DiBiase's hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, I guess we can talk about this Honky Tonk Man song. This fucking thing sucks. It it's does. just this Billy <laughs> Elvis does. thing. Uh, it's about how he's the fucking Honky Tonk Man. At one point, he literally just says, I'm just a Honky Tonk Man 15 times in a row, and this is a three-minute song. So that's, like, what you're dealing with. He can't dance for shit. He's shimmying like, uh, like he's being electrically tortured by the Viet Cong. Then it ends with a disclaimer that the women were paid to cheer for him in the video. So, like, that's a whole other fiction now that, like, oh, this takes place in a universe where people aren't normally paid to be in music videos, but they were here, and that's a scandal. It's fucking crazy. In, in yeah, the world yeah. of pro wrestling, the madness. Yeah. Like, you could have gotten away with not paying all of these people by just skipping town as soon as the match was over. I mean, <laughs> but, but this loser stuck around to pay everybody. Yeah, when... Our Crypt Keeper is deriding him for the sin of paying the members of his music video. I uh-huh. Well, it's, let's it's let's just like dissect how how that joke was was executed. The video <laughs> ends with a text crawl over the top that says like disclaimer the, these women were paid to cheer or whatever. Yeah. And so that's that's the punchline to the joke. And then no, it turns out that's the setup to the joke. And then oh, George man. George comes back on to be like it turns out those women were paid if you read my disclaimer <laughs> at the end. So now here's the second setup to the joke when we've right. already had the punchline. It turns out the punchline to the joke is those women were paid to do this. Do, do punchline setup setup punchline again? Well, fucking 
What? And he he delivers it with like the importance, like if they were transporting powder across the border. I'm like, okay, yeah, he paid them to cheer for him. What the fuck do you think this is? <laughs> it does it. It's such a scandal to this guy that that someone made a music video and paid the performers. And even and, and even in the little, he draws a diagram to explain that he would pay. He had paid these people. Like that's how far we go to to explain this weak punchline that has already happened twice. Uh, but the third time with the diagrams, it even like points to members of the band. It's like he paid these people. <laughs> like, you think he should yes. even pay the band? <laughs> and he like lays out. And did you know he wasn't really playing guitar in that video? And I'm just like that. That was that was the joke in the video. In the video you made for right. children that children can understand. Right. His hands weren't touching the strings. We we fucking caught it, pal. <laughs> Again, the, the punchline was the setup for him to deliver yeah. the setup and then the punchline. It's it's an absolutely right. maddening structure of comedy that I don't even know how you would arrive at that accidentally. Like think, like you written down complaining steps on flashcards it... and then shuffled them wrong. <laughs> It is really frustrating as a comedy writer to see this video. Yeah. And I have to get at this this thing in the lyrics, by the way. I know that getting at the Honky Tonk Men song for the lyrics might be low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to pick it. Please. Because I really just love someone in their own theme song saying, I'm cool, I'm cocky, I'm bad. (laughs) 40 times, if I recall. I'm really neat, and uh, people (laughs) genuinely like me. Yeah, these are not like bragging boys. statements these are just personality traits they're like i have narcissistic personality disorder <laughs> like like i don't know if there's a song about how you're gonna fuck somebody up which most of the songs on this album are that's i feel appropriate for a wrestler to sing but if you're just like hey i really like toy trains here okay okay cool cool it's great so it didn't make the video but i i went on the wikipedia page just to see what the other two songs that weren't here were and like dug them up on YouTube. So have you guys heard like the Jimmy Hart thing on this? I'm no. not sure. So the album has this Jimmy Hart track. And it's a lot like the slick track in that it's just about him crushing ass, I guess. <laughs> Hell yeah, Jimmy Hart. Oh yeah, Jimmy Hart. Only I guess that he goes for more of like a, I don't know, it's, it's 1987, like sort of like a Van Halen 1 kind of thing. It just well, it makes me pretty think fucking about sweet. Actually, why didn't that make the? Did they just? Oh, they didn't get the rights. I was surprised. I was surprised because Jimmy Hart is all over this video and like random clips, but his song isn't, and it's yeah. better than songs that made it, like the fucking Honky Tonk Man song. This should have been thrown into the ocean. Well, skipping <laughs> skipping a little bit, tying this in to the next song, the Demolition one. Uh, this is the first time I realized. Uh, they could not actually get all the wrestlers that are in this video to be in this video. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, like, oh, oh, like immediately you see, oh, this is how it's going to be now. You had wrestlers in two of these songs, but then it's the third song. They don't show up and you're just like, I, uh, George goes, when I asked them what they wanted to see in their video, <laughs> they said bombs going off, buildings being destroyed and clips of our matches. And so stock footage, they politely requested yeah. not to be in the video and that you play stock footage instead. And they did exactly that. It's amazing. I have to apologize to George here because the fucking idea of just talking to these two Mad Max cannibals 
<laughs> and they just list explosions and various acts of violence that they want in their videos. It's, it's, it's funny to me, just straightforwardly. Yeah, just like on the phone with them, like, hey, guys, it's George from work. The only thing funnier <laughs> like, would have been if they shown up with bare hands! to the video to do that skit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would be nice. <laughs> but just, yeah, it's clearly... I don't know why that song you were talking about was cut, but uh, I'm going to assume somebody decided it was too good for this compilation, much like uh, yeah. Demolition decided they were they were too good <laughs> for this compilation. It also takes them like 15, 20 minutes to get into their gear. Yeah, they're not doing that for this. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so it's yeah, just... Yeah, just saying that leather jock is not casual work. It's it's just, like like they said, it's just, you know, bombs going off. But weirdly, a lot of it was atomic bomb testing, which like yeah. kills the vibe of like awesome destruction. But because they use stock footage, it was also just like photos of disasters and things. And there was one point where they panned across like a town that had actually burned down and it was just actual people picking through the wreckage. It's just yeah. to their driving rock songs like, yeah, look at these sad people looking for their missing dogs. <laughs> it felt like if Judas Priest made Atomic Cafe... <laughs> like, yeah, it's like in in the hands of anybody else, I would have said this was like a like a condemnation of war or glorifying war, I guess. But uh, I can't give it that much credit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I I I get I get that vibe. Like just random like nuclear safety videos like superimposed over acts of violence. Very strange. Um, very strange. I, and for all the jokes I've made at its expense, I think this is what my like action movie subconscious looks like <laughs> and maybe sounds like and maybe sounds like just here comes the axe here comes the smasher that's not the melody whatever but <laughs> it's close it's very close it's Thank it feels you. like a first draft that he came up with on the way to the studio he's like okay guys i got something like this we're demolition they're like that's fine fucking come on rick <laughs> that was, oh, by the way this was a rick derringer song uh he's a Legendary guitarist, famous for making rock and roll hoochie coo. He also produced the first WWF music album, along with Hulk Hogan's theme song, which of course everyone knows, Real American. Yeah. Uh, that was a very weird album. Junkyard Dog had a rap song on it called Grab Them Cakes. And Grab Rowdy them Piper, cakes. Grab Them Cakes. Uh, and Rowdy Piper did a cover of Fuck Everybody, only he changed it to For Everybody, uh, huh. which is cartoon- cartoonishly strange. Um, so anyway, Rick's back uh, making this song, uh, which, like I say, it's kind of like if, uh, like, whose line is it anyway? If they asked Wayne Brady to do an Alice Cooper song about, like, taking the dog to the vet or whatever. It's just this, it sounds like he's just making up a fucking, like, real gentle metal song. Yeah, rock and roll hoochie coo. First of all, I feel like I float a little bit away from this universe when I say the title and I try to assign meaning to like the phonemes <laughs> in it. Uh-huh. Like Roger Rosica, but the the video is this amazing improv comedy mess. It was great. I mean the second, the very second, because I lived in the 80s and I've been primed for this. So the second that teacher appeared on screen, I was like, <laughs> she is going to strip. She's dressed as like a conservative nerd and she has her hair up and I'm like, she's going to flip her hair out and start stripping Mm -hmm. because of the power of rock and roll. I get this shorthand immediately. I was like three seconds into the video. I knew exactly what was going to happen. We should set this up. They do do, uh, do perform rock and roll hoochie coo. Mean Gene Okerlund, the announcer, 
performs it. So it's the overplayed song from 1973, only karaoke by some guy who can't sing very well. Uh, in like a classroom setting, they set this fucking whole thing up like, oh, I'm here to teach you Beethoven and Native American buffalo lips. Oh, he said some fucking weird shit. Some real then, weird shit. And then yeah. he like has a blue like bob cut record scratch on and but we're gonna start with rock and roll and mean gene in a blue wig and mirror shades like he's like he's a fucking dreadnought (laughs) but he's still like got that weak chin and like the old man posture it's like okay guys what are we doing here and then the teacher gets up on the desk and just literally starts pulling a dress up to show her panties to the children i'm like did you guys all forget where the fuck you are? <laughs> <laughs> like, again, they knew the foundations of each of these things that had been done before. Like, yeah, the, the teacher gets overcome with the power of rock and roll and becomes sexy. Like the, the classroom rebels, but you can't like combine all of these things into the same scene so that she's becoming sexy to her children. It's, right. it's all signifiers sort of stapled gun together in a random order. Well, it's a, uh, there, there's a point in this where they have to improv a little dialogue and uh, and he turns to, to Mean Gene and says did somebody say keep on rocking Mean Gene? <laughs> and Mean Gene in, in, musters all of his rock and roll to say I think so Rick <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, it's, it's as much of rock and roll energy as he can bring super rocking Hulk Hogan shows up in the middle of the video to play bass which is that's pretty rock and roll I mean, I cut my almost yeah. He's got budget. a lot of clips of that across the different songs, actually, because he he was in some kind of band before he was doing the wrestling bit, bit, bit right? Probably, I I don't know. He'll he'll do anything if you let him play the bass. He'll she'll show up and so what are they there? She's gonna strip for her kids. Can I play the bass? Oh, all right. <laughs> I think it just conjures of- Hulk Hogan. If you if you're a teacher and you stand up on your desk and show your underpants to the kids, like the Hulk Hogan just appears. With a bass guitar. This is just a real American. So I can't sing it. So we got to try it, I guess. But oh, wait, hot female teacher. We got to specify hot female teacher. And he they have so much pride in the fact that he can sort of semi accurately bob of the bass or maybe he's actually playing. I don't fucking know. But they particularly, I think, in the last two songs, there is just a lot of Hulk jamming it, so to speak. Right, because that's they know intrinsically that's the best thing they have to offer is like the the image of Hulk Hogan rocking out. Everybody's gonna love that, and just put that in everything. I do love it. It's they're uh, not wrong. Well, I hate that song. I want to move on to Girls and Cars. Wait, wait, wait. Before my... we before we do, I want to cover two things. Please, 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 please let me cover okay. two things. Cool, cool. First, of course. It ends perfectly with a freeze frame on Mean Gene smiling to the camera like a Jackie Chan movie. And I've argued many times and I will argue it again. That's the perfect way to end anything. Sure. Uh, (laughs) And also the segue, we come out and George goes, I agree with Mean Gene when he said, thank you very much, Mrs. Brooks. She made the video fun for me. That's that's the kind of like weird ass. I don't even know how you're supposed to deal with that shit that he brings to like... I enjoyed the possibility of seeing her butt and vagina. And on that note, let's look at some more butts and possibly vaginas. And then it's it's an, it's madness. The exact intonation he said that with, like, you expect a detective to say, tell me where the bodies are, George. <laughs> yeah, like, you have time for your game. This is a bad human impression. Like, if I was in the woods and somebody started talking to me like that, like, that's okay. 
you're an alien and uh, you're not passing. You're not pulling it off. Just, you know, get yeah. the probing done. Let's not play games. <laughs> Some wild rubber mask stuff going on there. But okay, well, girls and cars. Girls and cars, they really let us into the creative process with Jim Johnston. Uh, I have a oh clip God. of that. Written by Jim Johnston, who graciously granted us this interview. I'm here doing a remix of Girls and Cars for Rick and Tito's entrance music. When I first spoke to Rick and Tito about writing the song for them, every idea I brought up to them, they shot back girls at me. So pretty soon we were talking about only girls. Who do you like and, uh, to fight? We were talking about driving around in our cars and the girls we see and how you want to try to chase them down, but you never seem to be able to find them again. Uh, we got our good friend Robbie Dupree to sing it for us. He did a great job singing it, and uh, we're really happy about the way it came out. All you girls, you've gone a bit too far. I'm not safe behind the wheel of this car. Let's watch it right now. God damn it. So, you know, we've got Viva. We're just playing the whole thing. Who's no, going to no, sue no. us? Nobody owns that. <laughs> I love yeah, that story. I was story. interviewing these two uh, megastars, and yeah, they are the uh, two most desperate fucks on the planet. They have not touched a butt since the 1960s. <laughs> Can we? Hold on. Let's Let's analyze the videos we've had so far. Full effort with uh with Coco Beware P- appears, uh-huh. sings in it, just a whole force of wrestlers. Some effort, honky tonk. He shows up. It's pretty, you know, it's not great, but he sings it. He's in there. Uh, Demolition did sing that song, did not bother to show up for the filming of the video. Now we're to Girls in Cars and uh, the wrestlers presence in this is a single still image of them that they managed <laughs> to, to capture at the, at the, in the introduction of the song, they appear nowhere in the video and do not sing the song. So it's more like, it's more like they endorse the idea of a song about their lives, but not a, not specifically. Their names are not are not mentioned in the song. That would that would cost money, I guess. Like just yeah, so it's a, it almost makes you wonder if they want to try to dodge this whole project. Like I, I wonder what the attitudes going into this album were, and I guess you probably have the you know, the whole human range between like. I don't know, maybe Randy Savage said, get this shit away from me. And that's why there's yeah. no sign of him here. Yeah, they're just. And some people are like, look, and, listen, I'm not going to be in that. But if you want to mention me and use this one photo. Okay. Yeah. Like, and then Coco like, be girls. Yeah. <laughs> just don't like, don't twist it so that I'm like trying to, to run down women in my car to molest their corpses like James Spader. Uh, <laughs> that's all I ask. Yeah, so I was reading this article about Strike Force, and what they ended up being was great. Evidently, and this is like total dirt sheet nonsense, so maybe it's bullshit. And I'm gonna get sued for this. <laughs> Let's try, but let's try it and see. Are you but listening, this, Tito? You listening, Tito? But this tag team was evidently sort of pitched as they were going to do sort of a border patrol kind of thing, and then oh. some headlines came out where the border patrol did what it always does and corpses pop up and they're like okay let's uh you're you're two guys now (laughs) so they were gonna make tito santana a border patrol agent it doesn't sound like a great idea it doesn't sound very um like was it like an odd couple pairing where one is a border patrol agent and i'm not gonna finish this i'm not gonna finish this (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll just cut that up i i I, I, I kind of gotta cut the last 20 minutes of what brockway said (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of get what you said. I remember there was this comic book that came out. 
I think it was like 2008 that tried to do like a whole action border patrol thing. And the Jesus. thing that like hack writer will always do to try to add like, I'm going to tap into the moral ambiguity of the scenario mm-hmm. is have like one of the primary, like two or three people, you know, be, you know, be like Mexican or South America, what have you. And sure. it will, it just does not scan the way they want it to. It just, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Everybody sees immediately what you're trying to do. Yeah, there's no shell game here where you come out like you've really you've really made me think about race in America wow. and the expectations we put on our law enforcement officers to be perfect in an imperfect world. Except for by the racists, they they love that and will always say that. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're a hundred percent behind it. Like they they wonder why all art isn't just this, but. And if you are a racist, all art is just that. You have your special uh, channel that is just that. And people make movies with starring Gina Carano. And you can just live in your bubble. Yeah. And speaking of uh, problematic nationalism, I think the performer of this song, Robbie Dupree, looks like Turkey tried to make their own Kenny Loggins. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that it, it literally, the whole song is this dork wandering around being like i'm gonna chase you down in my car yes like those lines were the that's the chorus of the song is all you girls have gone a bit too far i'm gonna i'm not safe behind the wheel of my car i'm not responsible for my actions because of the effects you have on me it's like bingo loggins is belting out this nonsense song about like it's their fucking fault. Like we, we have to chase you in our car. It's your fault. And it's all, all the lyrics are about how all the women are interested, but they're doing that on purpose to drive you crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I really like how there's long montages of girls, not in cars, like, like aggressively not in cars, like walking, yeah. riding scooters, sitting. Uh, and, uh, then, then long as bingo long is out there on the beach, just like birds attacking him. It's such a weird video. I do have a clip. Just they are pretending. Wild and free, my imagination takes it again. Back to the top. Girls in cars. I'm gonna hit you. It's your fault, ladies. How fucking dare you? Alright, take it away, James Spader. That's that's James Spader. Once again, this isn't an accusation is just how the art content comes off this just it, it sounds like this hilarious like vice city synthesizer incel anthem like these fucking girls in their fucking cars oh, we should <laughs> these sirens tempting me why did we let them back. drive it's so erotic it's so erotic when they drive i can't help myself like i i, I imagine him in this Almost a Miami Vice version of a Phantom of the Opera mask, just pawing at his car's window, just saying, one day, my sweets, one day. I love that song. I think a song that's just girls in cars 50 times and then uh, <laughs> blaming them for your stalking. For I love it. unwanted erections that distract you while driving. <laughs> the fact that it's sort of based around things that Tito Santana and Rick Martell are into, that's fine. That's enough for me as a wrestling fan. Slow dance the night away. Uh, next up, we have a song by Slick, uh, who uh, 
This is, it's pretty problematic. I want to play a clip <laughs> of his intro. Uh, just to picture it, we start on a close-up of his greasy mouth as oh, he's man. eating a bucket of fried chicken, and we pull out from there. Hey, man, what is this? I can't believe it. I can't go anywhere without bright lights, television cameras. He doesn't but stop I don't eating, blame by the way. I mean, after all, it's continuous. Everybody's talking about the hottest album in the country right now, Power Drive, the wrestling album too, of which yours truly is featured with the number one hit on the album, Jive Soul Bro. The number one hit. And you know what? I don't blame you for following me around because after all, I can beat Coco B. Worth singing. I can beat Robbie Dupree singing. I can wrong. beat Jimmy Hart singing and I can beat them all. Low bar. And not only can I beat them singing, but I can beat them dancing too. Still As right. a matter of fact, I can dance so good that I could beat Michael Jackson dancing. And now he's brother. And you guys won't even let me eat my yard bird in peace. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I like in the middle of all this minstrelry, he still gets his wrestling promo in like he needs... Yeah. <laughs> To he, get that, like, pro. I'll break everyone into, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, almost respectable how many things he got done there. I didn't like <laughs> any of them, but he got a lot yeah. of them done at the same time. Like the efficiency, and you know. And he ate a whole assume, drumstick of chicken. And and, yeah, add. that's what I'm saying. He he got a lot done. I don't think he should have done any of it, but he got a lot done, and you got to admire just the ability. Well, I don't want to say juggle in this scenario. Uh <laughs> The ability to multitask several things that he should not be doing. Just... You might assume I'm going to talk about his pimp suit or his hyper drawl here mm-hmm. or his man about town thing or sure. again his pimp suit. But I cannot look. This thing is zoomed all the way into his mouth. And I said, please yeah. give me all the races you want. Just please zoom back for this. Yeah. Birth of a nation. Just zoom out for the love of God. They really like highlight the dissolving mush in his mouth and linger there for a bit until you're like, okay, I understand. I understand where you're, where you want me to be spiritually when you start this. Yeah, it's a, uh... it's pretty gross. Uh, his song is about how he uh, about how he lies to his friends and he's an untrustworthy scoundrel. Uh, and it was written by David Wolf, who was Cindy Lauper's boyfriend and manager for for several years. Really? Uh, yeah, David Wolf also wrote "Grab Them Cakes" for Junkyard Dog on the first album. He sort <laughs> so of looks like he's got uh, a he's got a theme. He does. He's, he's like when the... when they need like a he's the WWF's go to hip hop guy, and I want you to picture him. Uh, he looks like Riff Raff from Rocky Horror Picture Show, and you're done picturing him. Uh, he secretly recorded his rap songs under the name Captain Chameleon, which is, uh, that's a fun wow. fact. Uh, I have a clip of the song, too, if you'd like to hear. Yeah. Let's hit it. Fuck yeah. Well, they thought this dude might learn a lesson, but I didn't learn a thing at all. While late last night, I was out there messing with a lady that was seven feet tall. Oh, big woman. <laughs> Big Wump, I think. So I said, hey, baby, spend the night at my house. She said, no way, you jack little man. I said, hey, now, baby, can't take no more. So she threw me on the floor in a big old boy singing, yeah, so bro, yeah, so bro, 
it's like I want. I mean, obviously terrible, but by 1987 standards, that's that's a radio hit. Like that's a. You see, I'm torn on how I view the rapping because this is the same year. This is the exact same year. I think even the same half of the year that fucking straight out of Compton came out. <laughs> Yeah, let's give some context. Was that good? <laughs> Could you imagine them running into this guy, like, sharing studio space and watching him finish up his, like, recording before they went in? They like, would not be able to disagree. Like, yeah, he's he's jiving. In that. Yes, no... this, this guy is jive as fuck. Yes, we Now, all if agree. we were talking 77, if we were talking, like, Blondie <laughs> tries to rap era, yes, this would have been uh-huh. perfectly acceptable. Right. But I believe we had a decade of rap technology at this point. <laughs> His dancing, like, also isn't bad. Like, he wouldn't ruin the party at a family reunion. But, like, better than Michael Jackson? Psh, come on, Slick. I mean, he wasn't come incorrect on, in that he's better than anybody else at the, in this video. Uh, right. It's just, it's not, it's like bragging that I can fight anybody in the cancer ward. Like, maybe. <laughs> he, he does have Except- 200% more moves than anyone with, Two exceptions. First off, these cowards didn't put Vince McMahon's dance along to stand back in on this video. <laughs> and second off, I just think that Randy Savage's three seconds in this film count. And yeah. he has so much presence. He's the best. <laughs> he, makes, he makes me smile so so much. It's, He's my it, favorite it's, wrestling comet. Uh, yeah, you mentioned stand back. Uh, that song was performed by Vince McMahon. Very badly, I say. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't expect it to be good, obviously, and it does not surprise you. It's definitely and it's somebody's random dad's of, first uh, try. Yes. Do I really uh, sound like very that, Vince honey? McMahon, like, like he's like, oh, I'm Vince McMahon. You know when he does that growl? Like he he yeah. brought some of that to the song. Uh, it's it's a song about Andre the Giant and how Andre the Giant kicks ass, and it's just footage of him kicking people's asses. Uh, I have a clip of that song. I'll always push harder, reaching for the sky. Very sorry for sharing this. That's a fact. Ball tracks. I'm a man running wild, headed for the top. Never slowing down, never gonna stop. But along the way, you're gonna see a lot of men drop. Baby, watch him drop. Baby, 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 watch him drop. Stand back, stand back. I don't have the musical theory to back this up anymore because my brain is a rotting carcass but there sure. is some like melodic overlap in like the vocals with the fucking honky tonk i'm blah blah i'm bad whatever thing it's kind of amusing to me yeah i i feel like jim johnston didn't take enough effort to make these songs too different from each other it's like an all dad band in a garage it's not <laughs> being entirely serious about their practice time yeah, but like it's enough to get mom rich wives Come on out here, honey. Shake your money maker. <laughs> Incredible. And uh, it's very notable to me that uh, a lot of these became like the topics theme song for whatever amount of time because they've dumped money into this project. But they looked at Andre and said, let's let's not ruin the Andre the Giant thing with this. <laughs> this feels like. Yeah, let's check. Would be let's check maneuver. back in with the, our progression. So we've had wrestlers fully eager writing involved in singing in the video and then has devolved to just singing the songs has devolved to willing to be in one custom still image so that the piece can be said to be inspired by them to stand back which is about andre the giant 
and he would not even give them a custom <laughs> picture here. It's all the stock <laughs> footage. There is no yeah, part of him that appeared to endorse this in any way, shape, or form. This is a song by my boss about a guy he knows named Andre the Giant <laughs> who did not know they were making this. <laughs> and would not approve if he did. <laughs> so if the listeners at home have the time, the purest version of this is not even the Andre the Giant clip show, but the I am your boss and I will do whatever the fuck I want video of Vince McMahon singing or lip syncing this live backed by a phalanx of wrestlers all fake playing the saxophone <laughs> and there is a thing i notice about their saxophone playing which is how good someone's fake saxophone is tracks weirdly closely to their promo ability huh and probably how well they fuck yeah i was going to say how well they fuck that's definitely at least to the foreplay I mean, you know, the old saxophone sexual connection is well established by science. It's a. Uh, we've all seen the sunglasses in the photos. Hell yes. This this last song, uh, I'm not going to lie, I kind of love. It's called If You Only Knew. And it's uh, it's a song about how the wrestlers, like, you should be afraid of what they're going to do to you. But it's but also it's, a love song very... only if you were in love with kicking ass. Right. It's it got is... a lot of whimsy to it. Uh, like it's something a very brave blowfish would sing in a Disney movie. Like it's, it's, uh, it feels like they're they're threatening you, yes, and you're in a lot of danger. But like, not really. There's a lot of ways this could turn into love. You know what? I think I'll just... just let George uh, explain this one. By the way, pick up the album. It's great listening. Incredible. <laughs> So good. Uh, I have a clip here I'd like to share. I've heard a lot of idle chatter. That really doesn't matter to me. A lot of you guys want to see me in agony. Slick. It's like we are the world. They all kind of. But the measure of a man understands is more than your common pattern. It's the way I'll make you eat those words that matter. If you only knew. I love so it so good. much. It's a love letter. I'm in love with the abstract idea of kicking ass. I, I love you <laughs> kicking ass it's and I don't inc- care who knows it. It's incredible. It's like the, the full house sitcom intro to beating people to yes. death. Beautiful. I, and they gave and, the first chorus to Jimmy Hart, who's, you know, a very small man, just belting out this kid's bop version of a death threat. I fucking, <laughs> love it. I fucking And I saw Jim Duggan in this video. So funny. Cause they always cut to him with it's like, his lip syncing is really off, so it looks like he's singing a completely different song in a room full of people. Uh, it almost I, makes up for like him losing a video for his entire like sort of glam rock track on this. Right. Macho Man, Which, as, as long as we're still advocating for and loving Macho Man in his tiny appearances, he has one line in this, and he says... I have a clip. Yes, do it. I got some real bad news. And it may involve your body. You've been talking too much, too long, too loud. But you ain't scaring nobody. 
You see, talk is cheap when you can keep I need. your promise of destruction. I think you'll see because of me. You need reconstruction. If you only knew. See, Coco is nailing it here. Baby, I love punching you. Belongs to me. Oh, if you only knew. It's oh. a perfect piece of music for this universe. Yes. Uh, I love got some your real destiny belongs to me. And it may it's such a dark turn. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Elizabeth, you take this line. She's like, all right, I'm going to make it real fucking sexy. Like, no, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> but yes, the whole song is real sexy and it's about hurting you. It's just, it's just really lets, lets you know that these wrestlers have blurred the line between, between pain and pleasure. It's a very Hellraiser wrestling Cenobite of a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Demolition just have an honest version of that, you know? <laughs> it's all just True. like, we are. Brother, we don't know the difference between fighting and fucking anymore. It's all, it's all kind of the same thing. Can we write a song about that? We, we can write a whole album about that. Oh, all right. Well, I was making the point that your destiny belongs to me. It's such a a, a dark line. It's yeah. so like powerful and evocative. It's it's like a a real like momentum stopper. If you're like talking with a guy and you're about to fight and you're like, fuck you, what you going to do? And the guy says, your destiny belongs to me. Like, All right, you're, you're a like, vampire. You're a fucking whoa, vampire. Record, <laughs> record scratch. What the fuck was that, man? <laughs> yeah, that's some real uh, Alistair Malachi Black kind of stuff right there. That's yeah. some very much like deleted from Fifty Shades of Grey for getting too real. <laughs> Have you seen that I- uh, Key and Peele sketch where it's like the the MMA guys giving each other promos, like, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to fuck him up. And the other guy's like, I will tear the life from the last of his breath. Oh, God's <laughs> gifts are so beautiful. And it cuts back to the first guy's like, did he say God's gifts are so beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> he knows which is talking, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's very much like, Oh, okay. That's too yeah. far. Like all of these songs are too far. And especially if any of them are directed towards women, but especially this one. It feels like it's directed towards a woman and like, just, just run. If my name was like inserted into this song, I'd probably just leave the state. Yeah. And my entertainment by the song, such I kind of wish like maybe every 10 years, just had whatever version of the roster they had do a cover of this. (laughs) Oh God. I'd love that. Just Just like the annual, if you only knew. It's their We Are the World. They could all get together in the ring and uh, it'll be for charity for all of the many wrestlers that died to wrestling over the last decade. And they'll make progressively worse versions of it. Oh God, could you imagine if they did a version of this with Eugene? He was the wrestler that uh, was the... uh, I don't think you're allowed (laughs) to say it. I think we've said it. I don't know how I could even describe it at this point. I guess you'd have to say, like, he was the one who pretended to be disabled, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. That's the best way to put it. No, no, maybe and no more, at no the more exact right time, like, where, where he, cool. did it, he did it for, like, a year. Everyone's like, I can't believe they're fucking doing it. And then the world just agreed overnight, you absolutely cannot do this. You know, maybe because of that, was maybe he was the change yeah. we wanted to see in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, was, it, was, was he over with that, or... Oh, God, he was a huge hit for, like I say, about a year. He'd come down and, like, you know, do, do like, all the little motions. And he would, like, talk to the voices in his head. And, and you know, 
do little funny like he remember Rosie O'Donnell when she did that movie uh riding the bus with my sister and it was just oh, like man. this like offensive like impersonation it was like that level what was the uh tropic thunder one called um simple simple, simple jack. jack simple jack yeah right yeah that wavelength okay yeah yeah we can cut all this there's just no way to like even describe what eugene was yeah what's point what's the punchline we're gonna go out on here <laughs> well everyone as a wrestling fan after born after Eugene's peak, I still apologize on the behalf of the community for Eugene based content. Yeah, plus we already had Hacksaw, and he was like the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Einstein Hunter Frankfurt! Einstein Hunter Frankfurt! It's a podcast canal! Und mit Maximalen Schau! Doc Frankfurt Podcast? Correct! August was Dolomite Month on the Hot Dog Discord, so we thought it'd be fun to let Dolomite write one of these. Mules have kicked them, didn't bruise their hide. Rattlesnakes bit them, they just crawled off and died. They handcuffed lightning, split the raging sea. These here are the motherfucking Hot Dog Supremes. Three Finger Louie. Aaron Crossan is a bad motor scooter. Adrian H. Aiden Moat. Alpha Scientist Java, you rat soup-eating motherfucker. Unandy, Andreas Larson, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyronin, Bim Talzer, Brandon Garlock thinks you need to move over and let him pass before they be pulling these hush puppies out your ass. Brian Saylor, if Brianne Whitney ever sees a ghost, she'll cut the motherfucker. Brockway loves the meat millie, aw hell yeah he does. Cyril, Rev, Chance McDermott don't wear no fucking cotton drawers. Chris Brower, Curious Glare, Dan B is so bad he kicks his own ass twice a day, Dean Costello, Dr. Awkward, Eric Spaulding knows why I'm not doing the voice, Fancy Shark, Jellahope, Greg Cunningham is his name and fucking up motherfuckers is his game, Hambo, Haraka, Hot Fart, Jaber Al Aiden is a low down, oh I can't say this one, Jacob Thornburg is a snake-eating yellow. No, I can't do that one either. James Boyd saw a white woman. Nope. Uh, Jeff Horaski is so black. No. Uh, Jeremy Neal once dated a pastor's daughter, and he's... Oh, God. Uh, my man John Dean's wife is so... Not doing that one. John Hector McFarlane met this deaf girl one time, and holy shit, Dolomite. No. John McCammon thinks you're such a mama's boy, you'd- nope, skipping that one. If John Minkoff was in Mississippi, no. Josh Fabian is a motherfucking- nope, can't see any of those words. Here, Josh S. hopes you ain't as cold as the Windy City, because the way he feels now, baby, he sure could warm you up. Aw, that's a nice one. Thanks for getting this out of that, Josh. Ken Paisley. K&M. M. Jahi Chappelle just wants to see a honky dance. Matt Riley. Max Baroyle get behind you. Get in front of you too. Michael Lair. 
Michael Wells, Mickey Lohman, Mike Stiles. Moju once walked from New York City to the deep, deep south just to slap a son of a bitch straight in the mouth. Andy, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer. Nick Ralston wants you to listen and listen well. He's that bad motherfucker drove the devil out of hell. Nick H, Ozzy Olin, Patrick Herbst, Rain Vargas. Rhiannon's been known to rise up, but we'll cool down later. Sarkovsky, Spotty Reception, Ted H. Timmy Leahy is a no-business, born-insecure, jock-jawed motherfucker. Toasty God, Tom Sakula thinks you bad and you ain't got no class. He's gonna rock this shotgun up your motherfucking ass. Tommy G, Waylon Russell, Yossarian wants you out of here in 24 hours and baby, 23 of them are already gone. And Donald Finney don't want no dilapidated, seep-sapping, pigeon-toted, cross-eyed, bow-legged son of a guns a messing with him. And he was probably like 130 pounds. So just, I could do fucking anything to him. So just, I could do fucking anything to him. 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 I could do fucking anything to him.